You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, do you remember the second petition of the Lord's Prayer? Jesus teaches us to pray, Thy kingdom come. But what is God's kingdom, and how does it come? What in the world is Jesus talking about? Now, in the history of religion, there are typically two answers to this question. The first is that God's kingdom is heaven. It's a, it's a heavenly reality. It is a reality that transcends this creation upon which we stand that we have to die in order to get to. Right? God's kingdom is one that we cannot see with our eyes and one that we can only hope to achieve after we die. The second answer is that God's kingdom is to be found here in this world. That actually, when Jesus teaches us to pray, Thy kingdom come, what we are praying is that God's kingdom will actually be a present reality among us, that we don't have to put our minds ahead of us into heaven somewhere, but rather that we are standing in the midst of God's kingdom if, if we do what it takes to make God's kingdom present. It seems that both of these answers to the question of what is God's kingdom don't actually get at the heart of what Jesus is speaking about. And in fact, I would guess that if you spoke to most people about God's kingdom either being in heaven or God's kingdom somehow being here on earth, both kingdoms would have to be achieved by works. How do you get to heaven? 99% 99% of the people, 99% of the people who live out there will say you get to heaven by doing good things, and when you die, if you have done enough good, then you get to go to God's heavenly kingdom. Or, perhaps, if God's kingdom is on this earth, the way you make it present among us is by making peace and reconciling with your neighbor. You see? There's no point of going to heaven off there somewhere Uh, if you can actually make this a peaceful and kind and loving place. Once again, both of these kingdoms are achieved by works. Jesus wants to teach you about a better kingdom and a better way of attaining it. What does it mean when we pray, Thy kingdom come? Luther puts it like this, The kingdom of God certainly comes by itself, without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. When Luther meditates on God's kingdom, he doesn't have time to think about whether or not it's meaning an afterlife of some sort, or if it's supposed to be a present reality that we achieve by the works of our hands. No. Luther looks to where Jesus is, where the king actually reigns. Jesus pays attention to the words that come from this king's mouth. And now, what do we know about him? We know that Jesus is the king that he is true son of the Father and also true man. That the Son of God entered into our world 
to overcome the prince of this world by his blood, by his righteousness, by his resurrection. And this work of dethroning the devil is done. This is the preaching, of course, of Good Friday and of Easter. The blood that Jesus shed has satisfied God's anger against your sins. And now Jesus' resurrection has given you the hope of eternal life. More than that, you know also the preaching of the ascension, that Jesus Our brother, according to human flesh, has ascended to the right hand of God, the right hand of divine power to fill all things. Jesus is present in all of creation as true God, as true man. Which means that he rules among us as this this creation's uh, maker and now also as its redeemer. Now, this isn't a future reality. It's not far off. Instead, this is a reality that's that's with us at this very moment because Jesus is at the Father's right hand. The kingdom of God has certainly come without your prayer and before your prayer. Before you even heard the preaching of the gospel, before you were ever baptized as a baby, Jesus has ascended, and he sits at his Father's right hand. It's done. But how does this kingdom come among you also? The answer is, God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit so that by his grace we believe his holy word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. Pentecost. Pentecost is the time when the kingdom of God comes among us also. This morning we remember and give thanks to God that he has given us his Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit has come to bring God's kingdom among us, not in power, but in grace and in mercy. The Holy Spirit comes by the word, the same preaching that you heard in the the lesson from Acts when the disciples were speaking about the mighty works of God. Just as this preaching of the mighty works of God saved its hearers by faith, so also is the Holy Spirit here with us today by the same preaching. The same preaching of the same mighty works. That God is man, that he has suffered, that he has died, that he has shed his blood so that you may be his own. Now, I suppose there are probably a number of ways that we can talk about the Holy Spirit and and Pentecost, but for our purposes this morning, I just want to take some time to talk about uh, this question, Uh, who is the Holy Spirit? And then I want to ask another question after that, and what does the Holy Spirit do? The first thing that we should settle in our minds is that the Scriptures teach unequivocally that the Holy Spirit is true God. How do we know that? 
We know that because before the creation of light and heaven and earth, the Holy Spirit was with God, as Moses puts it, hovering over the face of the waters. Just as surely as the Word was with God, and so just as the Word was God, so also the Spirit is God. Now, the most obvious proof for this assertion that the Holy Spirit is true God comes from the divine name that was placed upon you in your baptism. Jesus commands that the divine name of God be this, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You were not baptized into the name of the Father only, or only into the name of the Father and the Son, but into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us the definitive proof from the Scriptures that the Holy Spirit is true God. In addition to that, the, the, the Scriptures testify and they teach that, that the Holy Spirit is divine when it applies to Him the work of creation, as it does in Psalm 33. And also, as true God, the Holy Spirit knows all things, even the depths of God, as St. Paul says. And again, in Psalm 139, we hear that the Holy Spirit is present everywhere, as God is present everywhere. Because the psalmist asks, where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? Now, outside of the Trinity, this... uh, this power and this knowledge and this presence is the same with regards to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We can also say the same about the works of the triune God when it comes to creation, when it comes to sustaining creation or even the redemption of creation. The works of the Father and and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, they cannot be divided up. They cannot be separated. They are all working to create and to sustain and to save. But that is a little bit different when we actually talk about uh, what it means to be God within himself. Within the Trinity, we know that there is a distinction of persons and the distinction of their works. So, for instance, we learn, especially in the first chapters of John's Gospel, that the Father begets, you see? The Father begets. The Son is begotten of the Father. That's how they are distinguished according to their works. And also, as we say in the Creed, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and from the Son. We know that because in the Holy Scriptures, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of the Father. And again, uh, St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, or I'm sorry, not in Ephesians, where was it? In Galatians chapter 4, that the Spirit is of the Son. It is the Son's Spirit. And so the Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son. But today, especially on Pentecost, we hear about something a little bit different. Not that the Spirit is merely proceeding from the Father and the Son, but that the Holy Spirit is being sent. Jesus said to expect the Spirit to be sent when he preached to his apostles on Maundy Thursday. 
We might say that the whole theme of the sermon that he preached on Monday, Thursday, as they were going from the upper room where Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper to the Mount of Olives where he would be betrayed and handed over, the whole theme of that sermon was that the Holy Spirit is coming and that he will comfort you with the gifts that I will obtain by my blood and my sufferings and my death and my resurrection. All of these treasures that I am winning from the devil... I am going to give them to you through the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point of the sermon. And so Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will be sent in the Son's name. And again, Jesus says, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. That is the kind of work that the Holy Spirit does. He bears witness about Jesus. With regard to the apostles, this means that they are inspired. That the Holy Spirit speaks through them. And in the Gospel lesson, you heard exactly what this is about. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will teach you, that is my apostles, all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. In the same way as the Holy Spirit was there with the prophets, and with David, and with Isaiah, inspiring them to speak the word of God to the people of God, so also Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit will come to you. And more than that, he says that the Holy Spirit will inspire you not not with truths that are only kept up in heaven up until this point. Instead, he says that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all the things that I have already been preaching and teaching. You see, Jesus ties the Holy Spirit and the words of the Holy Spirit not to uh, unthinkable heavenly realities, but in fact, he binds the preaching of the Holy Spirit through the mouth of the apostles to himself, to his own works, to his own preaching. And you and I should not be surprised by this. It's not strange at all. Why? Because you know also when Jesus commanded the apostles to go and to baptize, he also did what? He taught that he told them to teach everything that I have commanded you. Everything that we have been hearing about as Christians during this festival half of the church here, everything from Advent all the way through the ascension of Jesus, as we meditated upon the words and the sermons of Jesus, upon his works and his teaching, all of this is what the Holy Spirit is to proclaim. And you have it set before you in the Holy Scriptures. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does besides inspiring the apostles to be his his spokesmen, is that through this word that they preach, he gives faith. That as we hear the preaching of Jesus through the scriptures, through the apostles, through the evangelists, the Holy Spirit is in it. And with the word. That as the forgiveness of sins strikes your ear, 
There the Holy Spirit is to create in your heart conviction that it is true. That Jesus has died not just for a group of people over there on the other side of the world, or maybe just for a few people who are good enough to cooperate with him and his grace. No, Jesus has died for you. He has forgiven you. And the reason why you say amen to this is because the Holy Spirit is there in the word and creates faith in your heart. Just as he created faith in the hearts of the crowds who were there hearing that very first Pentecost sermon. When we think about Pentecost, and when we hear the story about Pentecost, we have to see the flames, of, uh, the flames above you know, the heads of the apostles and the mighty rushing wind, not as distracting us from the preaching of St. Peter and the other apostles, but rather highlighting it or underlining it. Because after the flames dissipate over their heads and after the wind ceases, what are we left with? We're left with St. Peter saying to the people gathered there that this Jesus, whom has been crucified by your sins, he is both God and Lord, which at the same time terrifies us. And when we're cut to our heart, we, we, call, out, <laughs> we call out to the preachers of the word, what shall we do? And then the Holy Spirit answers us. Believe and be baptized. Repent. Hear that you are forgiven. And trust that it is true. On this day of Pentecost, we should give thanks to God because through this preaching and through this faith, we have the peace that Jesus has promised. This is the chief work and the chief office of the Holy Spirit in this world. It is to bring the peace that Jesus has accomplished by his blood and his righteousness to all people in every place. The work of the Holy Spirit is to give us the faith that clings to this peace. Our Savior says, that this peace is not like the world's peace. At best, in the world, the peace that we find is a concession that has to make do with injustice, or that it's a compromise, or that it's merely fleeting. It won't last long. But the peace that Jesus gives us through this preaching and this Holy Spirit, this peace is eternal. It gives rest to our consciences, and he gives us hope in the hour of death. And therefore, dear saints, do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. God's kingdom has come among you. You have been baptized into it, and the Father has surely given you his Holy Spirit. Trust in his promises. Believe in his words. The Holy Spirit will accomplish this faith within you. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.